how you get a guy like Assad making 900, they never have him speak at the conventions. Assad, I mean, Ian finally spoke at the last convention, and finally spoke in January. Please tell me to welcome Ian Pruckner. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm excited to be here, and uh, I want to thank Bill and Carol for allowing us to come and uh, hang out with them. And you know, there's just not um, there's not that many people like Bill Arender that are still engaged in our business. And um, I mean, look at all these people in this office. And uh, I think that it's important that we take our people back to the foundation, the genesis of this company, because they are the people who built it. And a lot of people can mess it up once it's here, right. but they're the people who put it in place that started it from nothing. And so I called Bill and I said, hey, Bill, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run an incentive. How do you feel about me flying out a couple of my top people to your house just to hang out with you for two or three days and just talk to you, right? Because you can't underestimate the power of the knowledge, the experience that people like that have, right? And a lot of you have him so close and you take that for granted, you know, and uh, we'll fly across the country to be able to spend some time to learn. And a lot of what I know about this business came from Bill. I'm a seventh to him. He's trying to knock off a few guys in between <laughs> he and I. But, uh, you know, but he's been so gracious as he is to most of you. You know, I don't know how there's different hierarchies here, but, um, you know, a lot of my thinking in this business came from him. And so uh, if we've got that presentation, we can go ahead and pull that up. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm going to get to this in a second. But I really want you to understand, you know, it's really about who you become. And it's about your thinking. You know, people are asking, what's causing you to grow so fast? And it's a lot of things. We've got a lot of incredible leaders that we put in place over the last couple of years that are maturing. They're coming into their own. They're building their own teams. They're starting to take on leadership roles. Uh, it's a system of of simplify to multiply that we put in place a couple of years ago that people have bought into but really more than that it is me taking responsibility for my thinking because the fact is I just didn't believe that it was possible to do what we're doing now until just recently and it was really watching uh, Mario Arizon do that you know because before that you know I came up at a Primerica during the recession where you know, it was good to grow, but you grew by 50 or maybe $100,000 a year. And it just didn't seem reasonable to me that you would grow by $500,000 or $600,000 in a year. And then he did it. And I watched that and I said, all right, that's all I needed to see was one person who could do it and I could get behind doing it. See, I always thought I could make a million dollars a year here, but I didn't believe that I could make it and make it that quickly until I started focusing on what I thought about and reprogramming my belief system. And the truth is, each one of you, you in here has a number of income. You have a number in your production, the base shop size, where if we were to talk about it, sooner or later, it would stop inside of you. And that spirit man inside will say, well, hold on, that's the end of where I believe 
I can be. And that was my case as well, right? And I had to go and, and attack that. So I'm going to recommend a couple of books that I think that you need to read. I've reread these books multiple times. One of them I have in my backpack. You should see it. It is marked up like crazy, all different color highlighters. Uh, it's called uh, Breakout by Joel Osteen. Joel's written a lot of books. That is the best book by a mile, by a flat mile. There's just something about the way that that book is written that challenges you to believe much, much bigger than you or I naturally think is possible. And that's what we saw with Mario Arizona, right? Nobody had done that in a decade, right? And it took somebody to believe that it was possible. And so you need to get that book, you need to read it, and you need to read it for you, right? He says in this book, you know, well, I don't believe this, Joel. He said, well, that's fine, then this book is not for you, right? And you need to read it for you. The second book is a book called Destined to Rain, which my man Emmanuel hooked me up with, um, it's just a phenomenal book. You know, I grew up um, working in the church, and the church is a wonderful thing, right? But the church does a lot to screw a lot of people up, unintentionally, I think, you know. But what happens is, you know, Jesus said we shouldn't have denominations. And what do we all go do? <laughs> we created a bunch of denominations. And, and all denominations are is one group of people who think this part of the Bible is more important than this part. And this part's more important than this part. So we're going to emphasize this and de-emphasize that. And this group over here is going to emphasize the thing these guys were de-emphasizing. And forget about that. And, and that was what was happening. And I grew up in a place uh, where I saw my relationship and right standing with God is what I did. And so I would walk around, I don't know if any of you can identify this, but I would walk around and deep down inside, I wouldn't believe that it should keep going, that it should keep growing like it was growing because maybe I didn't you know, increase my prayer time from a half an hour a day to an hour a day. Because you all know, if you want to be super blessed, you need to spend more time with God. And then I wasn't reading two books of the Bible every day. I was only reading one. And you know, if you want to be blessed, you've got to spend more time in the Word and all these things. And, and that's maybe true and maybe not true, but that's how I viewed my relationship with God. And so it was this self-sabotage. I would get it going, I'd get it going, and deep down, I just believed that it wouldn't keep going because I wasn't deserving of it. And that book really changed my uh, outlook on the character of God and who God is in our lives and the finished work of Christ on the cross and what that means for us. And so some of you may not be believers, and that's okay, that's fine, but I would still get that book and I would read it and understand it. Um, it it's a book, uh, it's called Destined to Reign by Joseph Prince. And uh, read that book because it is life-changing. And I really, I read those books about the same time, about 18 months ago. And it just kind of came together that I finally believed that, uh, that we could do it. That it was possible. And with that deep-rooted belief comes words. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth talks, right? And so we began to talk about doing something really big and growing quickly. And the people that were in our business started to catch a hold of that, and they began to believe that that was possible. And when you get a bunch of people that believe that that goal that looked impossible is possible, watch out, because they will run through brick walls, and they will grow like crazy. And that's what's happening, right? And it's not us. It's our team. We got a couple of just absolutely killers here. John Cooper, uh, $50,000 base shop. Amy's a new RVP. Went out doing $25,000. This is her first month. 
as an RVP. She'll be doing twenty-five to twenty-eight thousand. Don did twenty-eight thousand as an RL, and then Earl's doing you know twenty-five, thirty, thirty-five thousand between his group. But these guys two years ago, Amy wasn't here, and they were doing. I mean, Emmanuel last February did twenty-five hundred in premium, and this year did thirty thousand. Right? It's growth because they're thinking right. When you think right and you believe right, you get right, okay? And so, you know, Bill said, what, tell them what you're thinking about. That's all I'm thinking about. And listen, another book you need to get is a book called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself by Dr. Shad Helmstetter. And uh, talking about reprogramming the subconscious mind, you know, and uh, a lot of people, we don't think about what we think about. And we're programmed to think negative, to think down, to think that things aren't going to continue. And I've just really been working on me at a very rapid rate, uh, pace. And the better that I've gotten, the better quality people I've been able to get, retain, and, and sell our dream and vision to and really believe that it can happen for them, right? So I'm going to take you guys through some stuff here, and, uh, and then we'll do some question and answer at the end if Bill's okay with that. And I'm going to stay one ahead here on my own, uh, my own chart. But this is, um, this is out of a book uh, called Toughen Up. This quote, I think you should get that by Claude Hamilton. He says, to those who are out there in the trenches, now are your glory days. Even though you may not realize it, now are the days that you'll be most proud of. You know, three and four years ago, we had a, a lot of dark time in our business. We were growing and we had RVPs leave and all this. And I was at a crossroad in my business where I had to figure out, do I want to get better? Do I want to figure this out? Do I want to learn how to do this the right way? Or what, or what else am I going to do, right? And so I made a decision to get better, to grow, to push myself out of my comfort zone. And those are the times we're going to be the most proud of. It's not the times now when the momentum is just carrying you. These are fun times, but the times we're most proud of is last February when you got 2500 a premium coming. you got to make a decision. Do I get excited again? Do I go out and do it again? Do I talk to more people? Do I sell myself on the dream again so that I can sell others on the dream or do I sell out become a securities producer you know just kind of me myself and I and figure out how to make some money what do I do it's in those times that you'll be the most proud of who you were and pushing through because that's where most people fold that's where most people fold right but you got to toughen up and you got to decide that having overrides and ownership and having the multiples work for you is worth it because it is worth it, and I'm going to show that to you guys today. So go ahead and go to the next slide. You know, I was um, doing a talk uh, last week. I was preparing this. I just went and Googled funerals. I live in Clarkston, Michigan. It's about 15,000 people. In and around Clarkston, Michigan, there are 1,413 active GoFundMes for funerals. People trying to raise money just to put the family member in the ground. Who's going to pay the mortgage next month? Who's going to put food on the table? I look at this and you can never, you know, Bill was talking about in the car ride, he said, you know, our business is, is monotony. It's doing the same thing over and over. And that's where most people fail. They just get bored. They get distracted. One of the things I've always tried to do is keep myself excited about the basic fundamentals of our business. This fires me up. 90 million people with no coverage fires me up. You've got to understand that what we do is so important. And nobody's going to get the job done besides Primerica. Nobody's going to be in those houses. Nobody's going to be taking those no's. Nobody's going to be sitting out there explaining to people that are completely clueless how to get this done with a teacher's heart like, like we are. So you've got to understand everything I'm talking to you about today 
It all started with a cause and a crusade that's still alive and well today if it's alive and well in your heart. And it's in our heart. And crusaders die hard. You can't be here for the money. You've got to be here for the cause and the crusade, and the money will come. When people see how passionate you are about what we do, that changes things. And people, people need us. They need us now more than ever. It's so important that we get so much bigger because we've got such a job to do. But go ahead and go to the next slide. So I want to talk to you about ownership, overrides, and the multiples. And this is something I really sold out to a couple of years ago, is understanding the difference between Primerica and everything else in American business. There is nothing like Primerica. But, Bill, people who quit on their dreams, who quit on Primerica, who just stop showing up to the meeting, who go with this company over there, they go into the mortgage business, they start flipping houses, they do all those things, and that's wonderful, but they didn't get it. They never got it. They didn't understand what this business has to offer. I was sitting in a house last night. I was going to send out to group me uh, the definition of being in right market. I walk into the house. the The family room is like 60 feet long, three mega chandeliers. It was a Mongo house. And this guy, right, I mean, 11,000 square foot house. And I'm like, man, you did a good job. You took us to the right guy, right, my new trainee. And he sat down, he talked to me how he had 12 gas stations. He had 200 homes. He had this business, that business. He said, in 2002, when I sold my gas stations, I netted $3 million cash. I turned around, I put it all down on houses. And then we levered out of the houses to buy more. We had 200 houses, and then 2008 happened. He said, in 2010, I was in bankruptcy court. I lost every dime I've ever made. And I was sitting there talking to my trainee. He said, I, I looked at Primerica 20 years ago, and I, he was in Primerica. He won a couple of trips. He said it was too slow of a burn. But looking at what happened to the guy I joined with, I'd have been better off here than there. I made it fast. I lost it fast. And that's what happens when you don't have overrides. You can make dollars off of transactions, but to keep making more dollars, you got to keep doing more transactions. You got to keep putting those dollars back at risk to get the next pile of income coming off of it. And by most people's standards, they walk to that house, they think, man, this guy's done well. And he has done well. But he's lost it all. He doesn't have any of it. He doesn't have any of it. And you look at Primerica, the silly little thing they think it is, but it's a cash machine of overrides that go forever. Nobody can take it away. I love what, what Bill talked about one time. He said, Art was drawing circles. Say, what if they shut down the insurance business on us? We'll sell something else through the circles. The overrides are here no matter what comes through the system. Do you understand? So most people don't understand because you're not recruiting anybody. See, I understand overrides, but you're not recruiting direct. You're not building legs. You're not teaching teams to become double-digit recruiting teams. You don't understand overrides if you're not recruiting like a maniac. Like a maniac. You don't get it. You think you get it, but you don't get it. You say, "Uh uh-huh, I understand, but you don't understand because you're not putting into action The thing that says, I understand. Do you understand? (laughs) Okay, good. Right? Okay, so go ahead and go to the next slide. Why do you need to build? So I left Michigan on December the 26th. Okay? Uh, And uh, so the first checks were December 29th. I left Michigan. I came back for two days to do our Super Saturday school. 
I did no sales. I ran no appointments. I went to no meetings. Okay. So go to the next slide. So that's January 8th through February 5th. Go to the next slide. That's February 5th through the 3rd of March when I came home. I was paid $158,000 on vacation, 100% in overrides. In overrides. Okay? You don't... Well, if you knew what was happening in my life right now, I don't care what's happening in your life right now. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If it's going to happen to you, it's going to happen to you one way or the other. You get a choice of checks coming in day after day after day or no checks. It's your choice. So you can rationalize all day long, or you can go and build an override system. Right? I went away. I always joke with my people. When I go away, they do better. Right? So I went away. Our meeting attendance grew. Our uh, recruiting went up 60%, and our premium went up about 30%. We're at record highs. Okay? Why? Because I left. I got out of the way, and I let them do what they needed to do and let the system do what the system does. This is a system of overrides, ownership that happens through the multiples and replacement. Do you understand? Okay? So I'm going to hopefully get this through your head today. So you leave here and you say, I need to find some people. I need to find some people. Not I need to find a variable annuity. I need to sell some auto and home. I need to do an F&A. I need to find some people who can find some people who can find some people who can find some people that were born to do this. John Cooper was born to do this business. He is so incredible at it. He's so much better than I am at so much of this business, right? And what did I have to do? I had to have an environment that he could come in and win in. That's all I had to do. Bring him in and put him in an environment and he was going to do the rest, right? So go ahead and go to the next slide. Okay, ownership. Next slide. In my definition, the ability, ownership is the ability to own future value <coughs> without corresponding payment or effort. That's really what ownership is, is owning some future value without having to make corresponding payment to get that value. Okay, so go to the next slide. If you were going to buy furniture, would you buy the furniture or would you rent the furniture from Rent-A-Center? Why would you buy it? You'd buy it because eventually you'd pay it off, you didn't pay cash, and you would still have the furniture. You could still sit on the couch, you could still sleep in the bed, but it was requiring no more service from you to keep it. You buy your couch and your bed from Rent-A-Center, for the next 500 years, you will be paying Rent-A-Center for the privilege of sitting on that couch. So everybody gets ownership when it comes to buying furniture. Everybody gets ownership when it comes to buying furniture. Next slide. Living, buy or rent. Let's imagine that I walked in here and I said, for all of you who live in a home, you own your own home, I said, I've got this great idea for the same exact monthly price that you pay for your home, I'm going to move you into an apartment. Okay, it's going to be incredible. You'll never have equity. You'll never get tax deductions. You'll never own it. It's going to be much smaller. How many of you would say, perfect, sounds great. Move me from the home I own into the apartment that I will never own. Look at all the hands. None, right? Okay. Now, if vice versa, if you lived in an apartment, I said, I'll pay your moving costs for the same exact monthly payment. You can own your home. You'll build equity. You'll get tax advantages. One day, you'll own it free and clear. If 
for the same exact monthly payment. How many of you would say, move me? All of you. Everybody gets ownership when it comes to where they live. Ironically, nobody gets ownership when it comes to their life. We rent ourselves out in hourly increments. Some of you are like, I got a salary. You rent yourself out in bi-weekly increments. Slightly better. You have a longer contract, okay, than hour by hour and moment by moment. But the question is, if you don't own your life and own your time, you'll always have to keep expending the time for the reward. Okay, so go ahead and go to the next slide, right? So everybody understands ownership when it comes to these things, but does not understand ownership when it comes to their time and owning their income. It's insane. They don't even want to understand ownership, it seems, when you're talking to people. What's the hourly pay? Ownership is not even on their radar. And that's been forced upon us by an elite society that looks to control the average people. Right? That's what's happening. You're taught this from everybody your whole life because this is how you keep people in and under your control is don't teach them how to provide for themselves. You know how to provide for yourself, fend for yourself. You are very dangerous to people who own that labor, right? You understand? Go ahead and go to the next slide. So renting is this. Renting requires continued cash flow or time flow to maintain possession. No future value, no equity. So again, if you have a job, you got to keep putting time flow in to get the value. The time stops, the value stops. No equity. You can't leave your job and they say, hey, you've worked here 70,000 hours. You bank $10 an hour of equity. Yo, here's a million dollars. Okay, that doesn't happen. You stop, it stops. You know, I recruited a guy... Um, that I recruited way back in the beginning of my business. He's a CPA making $200,000 plus a year, right? I recruited him. When I got this in my head and in my heart, I was able to start recruiting guys like this. Most of you think, well, he's doing great. I don't care how much money you make. If you don't own it and if you don't override it, you're not impressing me. You made $5 million last year. Let's go talk to all the NFL players that are broke. They have nothing, made $5 million, $10 million. It doesn't impress me. If you don't own it and you don't have overrides, it doesn't matter what you're making. It's not impressive to me. It will go away much faster than you ever thought possible because at some point you're not going to be able to continue trading the time, the talent that you did before to get it, and it will stop, and it will stop fast. Right? Do you understand? Okay? So you've got to understand this. I went and I talked to him. He's making $230,000 a year base salary. He said, I don't want to do this for the next 15 years of my life. And I was able to show him overrides and ownership. I said, even if you just make what you're making now, but in three years or four years you could stop and the money keeps going, how much better would your life be? He said, unimaginably better. So I brought him in. He was in the business for 13 months, left his full-time job, his $230,000 salary, left it, signed his RVP contract last month, second month as an RVP, made $18,500 in income, right? Running almost $30,000 base shop after replacement, okay? How do you get people like that? Through ownership and overrides. You got to understand our product. No, the people who are going to build this business, you could be selling widgets. If you could own it and override it, they'd be interested. 
Okay, you've got to learn to speak the language of people who are going to come in and build a business, not make sales, not clap and cheer, but people who are going to go and build RVPs, who build RVPs and start that chain reaction of the multiples. You say, oh, I know this, I know this, but you're not talking about it with people. That's what big players want to hear. How do I get out of it? When I sat at that 11,000 square foot home last night, I said, in five years, you'll be making what you're making now. He's making a half a million a year. In five years, you'll be making what you're making now, but you're not going to have to work seven days a week for it. He owns several stores now in the city of Hamtramck. He says, I work seven days a week. I leave at six. I get home at 10. I work seven days a week. My wife said to me yesterday, how do you do it? He says, not for me, it's for you. I said, five years, you can have that, and you'll never have to work again if you do what I teach you to do, and you recruit people who recruit people who recruit people. And Monday, going back to recruit him, he said, come on back. I want you to meet my wife. I want to get started. Okay? You think, I, this guy is doing great. He's doing nothing without ownership and overrides. Okay? You understand that? Okay? Job equals, go ahead. Job equals renting. You must continue to trade time for money. Therefore, you will always be short of one of the two. You'll always be short of one of the two. The only way to get more money is to increase the dollar per hour or to increase the amount of hours. Well, I'm going to go back to school. That's an attempt to increase the dollar per hour. What you didn't think of is I just lost three years or four years of all the extra dollars, and now i got to pay for the ability to get paid more. That doesn't make any sense. That's, that is a slow burn process, and it takes 20 or 30 years for a return on investment with that, or you work more time. Folks, I love what Art said. If you have to give up your family, your spiritual life to win in business, it's not worth it. In Primerica, you can have it all. We traveled four months last year. Our income went up 350000 through what? Ownership and overrides. Because a system that I bought into and I've sold my people on. Look, what happened to me will happen for you, will happen in less time because we have the system in place that talks about this. Okay? Go ahead and go to the next slide. Ownership equals an end to the cost and a continuation of the benefit. When you own your house outright, you can stop paying the mortgage, but you can continue living in the property. You can take out equity. You can leave it to, to your children, and you can put them ahead. If you had to choose between own and not own, which would you choose? Why are you still going to the job? Why is your spouse still going to the job? Why are your kids have jobs you don't understand yet you say I understand but we don't understand do you understand <laughs> okay. for example go ahead you make a hundred thousand dollars Sarah I've got a good job for 40 years right you stop it stops you made four million congratulations you make a hundred thousand in Primerica you own it you have a hundred thousand forever 
For as long as there's insurance and mutual funds, there'll be money coming to that business. If there's no longer insurance and mutual funds, whatever else is being sold through that distribution channel will be generating income. It is a perpetual money machine. I'm so busy. I've got church softball. I got, right? I've got this, I've got that. It doesn't make any sense. Go ahead. Overrides. John Paul Getty, I would rather make 1% off 100 people's efforts than 100% of my own efforts. Go ahead and go to the next slide. 100% off one is the most unstable form of income that this planet has ever known. It is the most unstable form of income this planet has ever known. Yet it is sold with a sense of false security. Well, I need something that's secure. You don't own it. They take it away from you in a moment's notice. You have no control. 100% off you. That is false security. You know what security is? 1,000 people you're overriding. Sometimes I look at the number and I say, we didn't do very much today, Bill. And I think... I have 530 codes. Somebody about to close something in the next 30 minutes, <laughs> right? And guess what happens? They do, right? Why? Because there's 530 of them out there running around talking about ownership and overrides. Somebody is going to buy because the multiples are in place. Do you understand? Go ahead and go to the next slide. Overrides are the most stable form of income. Overrides don't get sick. They don't get hurt. They don't die. They don't get laid off. They work 24-7. I was sleeping last night, and I got overrides on 3000 of premium after I went to bed. After I went to bed, the overrides continued to come in. Don't you want that for your life? Don't you want a business that never sleeps, it never stops? Easter's coming. I told my, my team, Easter will be a lower day. But somebody's going to close something on Easter. I promise you. I have Jewish people in my business. They don't care. They're going out seeing all their friends. They don't. I promise you, my Jewish guys will close some business on Easter. I'm like, thank you, Lord, for our friends, the Jews. Go ahead and go to the next slide. All right. so you all seen the perpetual money machine, right? You're going to leave here. And you're going to get back to average and ordinary thinking and settling for where I'm not doing too bad. So short-sighted, so temporary, right? When you could have a perpetual money machine, go to the next slide. So if ownership is better than renting, I think we all agree that it is. And if 1% off 100 is better than 100% off one, and we all agree that it is, here's the good news. Go to the next slide. Primerica's ownership and overrides on steroids. Why? Because you can override overriders. You can own and others can own. And you can override other owners. Our equity program. I was telling somebody about it the other day. I say, as, as an RVP, we get stock in the business. I get to override Bill Render and Craig, right? Because I have stock. But not only do I get it off my base shop, but when he gets stock, I override stock of his stock. Did you know that? As a qualified SNSD, I get 80 cents on every dollar. Emmanuel gets 10,000 in stock. I'm so happy for him. I got 8,000 because he got 10. Overrides on an appreciating asset. 
I like my job. I don't care how much you like your job. You don't get overrides on an appreciating asset. Money's going down, but the stock is going up. Unbelievable. I understand this, but I didn't recruit any directs. I've been on vacation for nine weeks. I've been home since the third, okay? I've been in, in, uh, in California for three days. I just came here. I already have four directs for the month. Why? Because I understand ownership and overrides. I need more first-generation RVPs because I need more second- and third- and fourth- and fifth-generation RVPs. I'm not going to get more from the people I have. I'm going to get more from more people. What are you talking about with your people, and what are you doing? What are you doing? See? What you do is so loud, we can't hear what you're saying. Bill, I love the override, but you did zero directs. You're in love with the fantasy of overrides, but you don't believe yet that you can be an overrider of overriders. Go ahead and go to the next slide. So this is what I just talked about. Next one. Through the multiples and replacement. I love... But, you know, Bill and I were talking in the car with Coop and Amy and Don, and you say, look at Hector Lamarck. Is Hector that good? And Hector's good, but what did Hector do for Rick Susie? Nothing. Nothing. He found Rick Susie. And Rick Susie's great, but what did Rick do for Mark and Sue Younger? No, no. Not much, right? And Rick and Sue are great, but what did they do for Mark and Lizette Rolls? No. Who's overriding Gerfine? Who's overriding Poe and these other people? It's the system of the multiples. Hector didn't talk to any of those people other than Rick. And it does $2 million a month in premium. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy to me, right? When you look at the effect of the multiples. Okay, so go ahead and go to the next slide. This is a, a common word in today's uh, high-tech social networking sort of economy that we live in is the word viral, right? You hit somebody in the head with a rubber chicken, you put a video up, and three hours later, there's 2.9 million views, right? Okay. It went viral. Well, Primerica was the original viral. People talking to people, talking to people, each one spreading it out a little bit more than it was before, right? So you got to understand, go ahead and go to the next slide. Art Williams, one office, Atlanta, Georgia, 1977, 85 reps. There was one of them, right? One office in one town, okay? But through the way of the multiples, go and look at this. This is right out of what? A.L. Williams' way, okay? Recruit large numbers, grow with multiplication, not addition. And he shows, look, if you had seven first generation, I have 13 first generation RVPs, okay? My goal is to have 50 of them in the next uh, eight years, 50 first generations. There ain't two or three people in the whole company, Bill, have that many firsts. Right? He says, look, you get seven to ten and teach them to get what? Seven to ten. That's our job in Primerica. Get seven to ten. So you get seven, who gets seven? You have 49 seconds. Who gets seven? 343. That's 399 RVPs. Now, Art said this. He said 90% of his RVPs were between $5,000 and $15,000 base shops. They weren't Amy Crocciolos, they weren't John Coopers, they weren't Emmanuel Earls, they were nice people who did a little bit, but there were thousands and thousands, so he shows the math, right? 
Say they did 10,000 on average. That's 47 million in premium a year. What'd you do this year? 47 million. I'm doing 20 by 20, Bill. What'd you do? I did 4 million. 4,000 by 4 million, right? What are we thinking about? The company wants us to have big base shops. That's what they're talking about. Big base shops are good. The only reason that we have big base shops is to promote RVPs because base shops go away. Base shops go away, but RVPs, people that own, that fight for their family, that have the ability to override. By the way, if you're not an RVP, how many RVPs can you override? None. None. What can you own? Nothing, unless you trip across some sort of gargantuan trade or something and trip over 300 grand, right, okay? But you can't own, you can't override, right? RVPs. But you get independent owners that have the ability to own, override, override overriders and own a system of other owners, and everything changes. So you said, what if you just had half? What if you got three and a half RVPs, okay? Who got three and a half? Who got three and a half? You have 199 RVPs. That's two million a month. If you're doing two million a month through third generation, that's a 400 some thousand dollar month income, at least, maybe more, right? This is the multiples. You look at that and say, well, I just... Seven RVPs, I don't know if I can get seven RVPs. You don't need to get seven RVPs. You need to get two RVPs. One you give up and one you promote and take a replacement from. You understand? That's the system of the multiple. This is multiplication. That's multiplication on steroids because it forces the width, right? And it's, it's, you can't have 100 grandkids from two kids. I mean, that's, that would be very hard, right? But if you had... 30 kids, 100 grandkids, probably a shoe-in, okay? So you can force yourself wide through replacement and deep through the multiples. Anybody can get one. Can you get one? Can you go get one and take a replacement from that one and start that train, chain reaction? Like Bill was talking about, you're one recruit away from an explosion. And it's not going to be you. It's going to be the system, somebody who falls in love with overriding overriders and having something they can own. And it's all over. Your job is to what? Find them. Your job is to find them. When you leave here today, the thing that must consume your mind is I must find that next RVP. I must find that next RVP. Because sooner or later, they're going to get sucked up into some girdle deal or wrapping their stomach with something, and it's going to turn them off. It's going to turn them off to the opportunity that they really had here with us. You've got to find them, and you've got to find them fast. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Larry Wydell's organization. January 1979, Larry Wydell. Right? 1980, the Satellite Division. 1981, the Wydell Region. Next slide. 1982, the Super Region. I love looking at this. Go ahead and go to the next slide. This is Larry's recruiting numbers. 1979, in the month of January, they recruited three, okay? You see, doing really well, got up to seven, then went backwards to two, right? But look at what starts happening over here. A couple of years later, right, seven, 13, 18, 56, 147, go to the next slide. This is the rest of that page, right? 235, 383, all the way to 900 recruits a month. Through what? The multiples. Recruiting people who recruit people overriding people who want to override others. It is magic. There's nothing in American business, anything like this. 
Well, I saw this company once that had overrides. Not 42 levels of overrides. Right. Right? You understand? Each RVP has seven contracts. You can override six RVPs straight down. That's 42 potential straight down the line. As wide as you want through replacement. That is magic. I saw this. You could recruit. No, no, no. Nothing like this. Nothing like this. And you can own it on top of that. What did this system give you? Look at the next slide. 1990, 225,000 agents, an office in every city of every state. The multiples work, but we have been led astray by big commissions on securities trades, on people well-meaning in our corporate offices that are managers of the business but not builders of the business. If you don't have John Addison's book, you need to get it. There's a chapter on there where he talks about something, Bill, that is absolutely incredible, about the transition from the entrepreneurial phase of the business to the corporate phase of the business. And he's got a whole chapter in there about walking through that period of time, right? And they do such an incredible, I mean, we, we would have big issues today in our environment without the people we have running this company. But they didn't build the company. He built the company. Larry Wydell built the company. You got to remember that and remember what it goes. That's why I fly these guys down. This is what I want them to hear from Bill Arender. You got 199 people. Congratulations. I have 199 RVPs. That's what I want them to hear. That's what I want them to be thinking about. You can't think about this enough. Because what you think about, you bring about. You're thinking, if I could just get to 20 by 20 and get my 20% base shop bonus, eventually you'll get there, and you'll get that done. Congratulations. If I could just get 21st who get 21st who get 21st, I would just be happy. Right? That's how you need to be thinking. Bill told me a story about Bo Adams when Bill uh, first had a million dollars in cash. It probably like 70 years ago. Okay, and uh, but he has a million dollars in cash, and Bo Adams calls him up and, and says, let me tell you all why Bill Arender is a cash millionaire. A lot of you heard this story, right? He said, because that's all he wanted. Some of you will get that later, okay? But I don't want to have that happen to me. I don't want to have a cute organization of 50 or 75 RVPs and say, that's all he wanted. I did okay. Some other people did okay. I want to be massive. My game plan is to promote four to five firsts a year between now and age 40. Eight more years, right? So 40 new firsts plus a 13 I have. Hopefully none of them die. The math says probably some of, some of them will, right? Hopefully none of them quit, but the math says some of them will. But I'll have 40 leftover firsts, and that will be the seed of the multiples. That's all we can do. Right? All we can do is all we can do. Our job is to build a base big enough to get first, help them learn how to develop first, take great replacement, and watch the machine run. Let me illustrate this to you. Go ahead and go to the next slide. These numbers are from a year ago. So this was April of 2015 numbers. Okay. And this is total cash. Okay, so you see Assad made 84000 last April. I made fifty nine grand. Okay, but here's our friend Leo. So how many of you know Leo Sonkin? Raise your hand. Okay, a couple of you. Okay, Leo is one of your RVPs. Leo is my second upline. Leo is a, a wonderful, hu- yeah, he's a wonderful human being. 
Wonderful human being, lives in San Diego. Now check this out, Leo made 22,800 last April. His base shop did how much in premium? Zero. How many recruits? Zero. How much securities volume? Zero. Not a $25 a month PAC. <laughs> zero by zero by zero. Nope. Nobody's even bothering to keep, you know, every 18 months to keep your securities license, you've got to write $25 a month PAC. Not even one of them. Making $22,000 a month off of what? The business Assad built. That is magic. That is magic. You show that to anybody, they are in. They are in. They're in. But you want to talk about the products, how much commission you can make on the personal sale. That's irrelevant if you could make $20,000 a month and not have to show up for work ever. That is magic, right? This is another thing. Here's Assad and Lois Farage, too. I don't even remember this gentleman's name. I'm sure you remember him, Bill. He died 15, 16 years ago, his whole family. I don't remember his name. Okay, but Assad bought the code. It was making $100,000 a year 16 years ago when he bought the code. April of 2015, that code made $9,481. Its total base shop premium was? Zero. Its total base shop recruit was? Zero. Its total base shop securities volume was? Zero. Not even a PAC. Making $9,400 a month, 16 years after the man who built that passed away tragically. I'm thinking about getting a job. It's just so tough, Bill. It's just so tough. I don't know if I'm going to make it. This is what you're walking away from. It does not make any sense when you look at it in the big picture. The problem is most of us see three feet in front of our face. Right? They say the wealthy plan for three generations, the average plan for the weekend. Are you planning for the weekend of your life or are you planning for three generations? Overrides upon overrides upon overrides that stays in your family forever. I, was, I just bought a building. They made me do a financial statement, so I had to have my CPA do it. And They do these valuations of the business. I called the home office and said, hey, what do you think this business is worth or whatever? The guy calls me. He's like, what is this? What is this? business that you own. I'm explaining it to him. He could not believe it. Well, where's the loan against it? There's no loan. I built it. Well, what do you mean you built it? Where's, where's the loan? You don't have any money borrowed against it? How is this just a free and clear asset? Isn't that unbelievable? He was perplexed. He's a pension manager. Selling his, he's downsizing. Selling his business. I bought his, bought his office because we need more space. And it's just... <laughs> It's just incredible. You know, seriously, it's incredible to look at what you have the ability to build here. What you have the ability to build. I mean, we're, we're to cross over a million in the month of May, a million dollar a year override income with no debt service, no HR, no payroll, nothing. Just free money coming in. What is that worth? What is that worth? It's worth a lot. It's worth a lot. And that's what you have the ability to build. It's so hard. My two recruits said no. They stopped coming. Okay. So, go find more. They weren't the right one. Some of you are so emotionally attached to your guy. Right? It's like, man, my guy. Right? It's like, I, I just got to know him so well because I pick him up for every op night because he does have a car. And I get him home and you're like, it's my guy. It's, you, know, you need so many guys you forget about your guys. 
My guys get a kick out of it when I see somebody doing really well in our group me. I'm like, send out to my full-timers. I'm like, whose guy is this? <laughs> whose guy is this? I have no idea. One day you'll override people, you have no idea. One day when you're really big, you'll have RVPs, you have no idea. He meets Amy in the car says, hey, I think you're my first ninth. Nice to meet you. <laughs> That's ownership and overrides. <clears throat> Some of you don't have nine people. Let nine generations of RVPs. Go ahead and go to the next slide. So how do you do this? How do you do this? I think it's more about what not to do than what to do. If you just show up with a smile on your face and ownership and overrides in your heart and you don't do these things, I think you'll be okay. Okay? So number one is no standards. Not just in the business, but like no standards in your life. Like some of you, unfortunately, you're going to do zero by zero this month. You have no standards. I'm sorry to break it to you. You just don't care. You just don't care. If you did, you would, you would have done something. You would have a standard, say, I expect this minimum amount of effort and results from myself. Right? Okay? Some of you eat anything. Bill took me to McDonald's. <laughs> like, all right, Bill, this is good, right? But some of you will eat anything. Okay? Right? And what you put in, that's what you're going to get out. Some of you watch anything. Some of you listen to anything. Some of you rent space in your head to broke people. You have no standards of the information and where your time goes. You've got to create standards in your life, in all areas of your life. Hey, I, I am better than this. Not that you're better than somebody else, but I'm better than being in this circumstance. I'm better than putting this in my body. I'm better than listening and solving. Right? I have some great people in our business that could be huge, but man, their family's a disaster. And they're always getting sucked into it. And I'm like, you know what? At some point, you're going to need to let them be adults and deal with their own problems. Right? you got to have standards about what you're going to deal with. Hey, I'm not going to get involved in your drama. Is it paying me ownership and overrides? No. Are you going to live? Yes. Not involved. Right? Standards. Okay. Missing meetings. Winners just don't do it. Bill, I got this great sale. I got it. It's the only time they could meet. You're a salesman. You're not a builder. How are you going to go chase a sale and, and stop the multiplication process of your environment? Our environment is what lets us leave for that extended amount of time. Right, Amy? I mean, it just goes. It's, I'm there, not there, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I took the three top people out of that location. They're gone today. It's not going to matter. It's still going to be wall-to-wall people. The police will still be there threatening to tow all of our cars parked at every parking lot around every building around us. Okay, that's the new thing, John, right, is the police show up to the meeting early, right? <laughs> Seriously, they do. They're waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting. Our neighbors are not happy, right, okay? Uh, but that's, I mean, you've got to understand you miss that, and guess what your people see? Oh, it's okay for me to miss it. Now they're going to go run two appointments. Then they're going to go to this, you know, three-year-old's uh, cousin's birthday party. And it just disintegrates, and you build a castle made on, of sand. You've got to be tough on people with this. You've got to be tough on people. We set standards with them, right? We set standards with them, and I coach my people on exactly what to say. Here's what you do when you have people miss meetings. And they know exactly what to do with them so that we get that done. If you can get people sold out to that, eventually they'll stay in our environment and our atmosphere long enough. They'll learn how to win. They'll learn how to win. 
Eventually, they'll trip across the right person and it will be game over. How many trippers we got in our office? At least four or five that have had organizations literally built up underneath them. Nobody knows who they are, but they're number one on the leaders board. Every, they're just overriding people. They do nothing but override the people that are underneath them. They get it, right? Hanging with negative people. I'm not talking about the person that, like, actually, you know, down talks you. It's, it's your buddy in the office that... Uh, just as, like Mike Sharp says, sophisticatedly cynical. I don't, I don't really like how they're doing that, that change. Somebody's blowing up over here. You might want to get There's about 12 phones. I don't know who it is. Um, right? Hanging with people that are, are just that tinge negative. They're talking to you about their chargeback balance. Can you believe how many chargebacks I have? Get away from me. They're talking about the person that said this to them and he couldn't believe it. Listen, this business, dealing with people, is hard enough as it is, let alone dealing with other people's hardships. What's my favorite line, Amy? Suck it up. Buttercup. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> oh, thank you for telling me that. Suck it up, buttercup. Right? You don't think anybody did that to me? How many times did I tell you about it? None? Oh, great. That's how many times I expect to hear this in the future from you, right? Okay. But seriously, you got to toughen up. You got to toughen up. What you think about, you're bringing about. If you indulge in negativity and doubt, that's you're just a, a walking crap magnet. Well, I didn't tell anybody about it. Well, that's okay. You still attracted that crap into your life. Okay. Um, so the two primarica tracks is something. Oh, go ahead and go back. This is something I see in 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 this room. Hopefully you've made the right choice. Maybe you haven't and you'll make the right choice after hearing this. But so much of this business is taking a new person that could be good, that gets the multiples and getting them through the minefield of starting a Primerica business and negative people, right? And so there's two tracks that people come in on in Primerica. They all start the same place. Once they make it through the phase where they would go into witness protection, just disappear, right? So they're coming around, they're plugged in, they're excited. They get the vision of Primerica, right? They're pumped up, they're excited. And then they're going to diverge. They're going to take one of two tracks, okay? The first track is they're going to start to get real tight with their mentors, with their uplines, with their coaches. They're hanging out with them. They want to be around them. They send, hey, I'm going to be by the office for lunch. Who wants in? They're the first person there, right? The other track Unfortunately, this is the path more traveled. They begin to get very close to their peers in the office. Hmm. It's great to have friends, but your friends can't help you win here. That's right. Your leaders can, but your friends can't. Hmm. Okay? So they start to get very close to their friends. So that's, that's divergent path point one. Who are you seeking out? You hanging out <coughs> after the meeting with all your buddies all the time? Or are you finding the guy that makes you uncomfortable is making a crap ton more than you and you getting them one-on-one and saying, what do I need to change, right? Which one? So step two that happens here is the person who's hanging with the mentor starts to pick up the traits and the attributes of that mentor. They start talking like them, sounding like them, dressing like them. They start duplicating that person. Smart. That's, how, that's where the money is. You figure that out. These people do the same thing with their buddies. They sleep in a little later. They miss a couple of the conference calls. They don't do their accountability today. No big deal because they're surrounded by people who don't have a clue of what it takes to win. Okay? So step three is this person becomes very similar to that mentor, starts having mentor-like results. 
And these people are floundering. They start looking at different things. They start getting into the investment business because their buddy made 10 grand on a trade. That's so much easier than recruiting all these people who don't show up and blah, 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 and, right? And then you get this person that's a big builder, a winner, and somebody who's cynical and doesn't like the hype at the meeting anymore. And that's the track they all walk down. So if you're going to develop leaders, you better fight like heck to get those good people over here. You interrupt their life, and you talk to them about it. You say, you want to be like that guy? No, why are you hanging out with them so much? What are they giving to you? I understand you're comfortable because they're just like you, but you don't want to be like them. You better stop chilling with them, right? Go ahead and go to the next slide. Thinking the little things don't matter. This is another one of my favorite sayings, right, Emmanuel? How we do the little things is how we do everything. How we do the little things is how we do everything. I'm a maniac about this. I always tell my people... You know, we have a a Google Doc that we keep track of, and it never ceases to amaze me how many people don't keep up with that. I'm like, look, if somebody offered you a job making $300,000 a year, all you had to do for two minutes a day was go on and keep track of this. You'd do it, right? But this is not a job. This is owning an override system. You're going to make way more than that. But I was too busy. I forgot. It doesn't make sense, right? Okay, so thinking of little things don't matter. Making sure that you do what you say you're going to do. You follow through for your people. Okay? I mean, that's, it seems pretty basic, but so many people don't. Okay? Uh, selling what you want most for what you want now. Ultimately, people who don't win in Primerica, this is how they do it. They just make these minor compromises, right? Nobody quits Primerica. I've had two or three people in my life say, I quit. What do they do? They just disappear. They stop answering their texts. They stop coming to the meeting. But how do they quit? They don't quit. They quit one compromise at a time. One compromise at a time is how they quit. It's like, how do you not go to church? Right? You just don't go next week. And then your kid's sick. And then you're out of town. And then, this, and then you don't even remember about it anymore. Right? Okay, so selling what you want most for what you want now. Okay, sometimes you're going to have to stand up to the people in your life that are going to try to derail you. They're, they don't, they're not trying to hurt you, most of them. But they just don't understand why can't you come to the Tigers game? Why can't you be like one of the guys? Just skip it. It's just one meeting. Just come down. We got great seats. And you trade great seats on that Tuesday night for your own seats for the rest of your life. Wow. Right? I'm by, I love music. I'm a big concert nut. And so I go to all these concerts. I spend a ton of money on these great seats. So I just made the call yesterday. My, my wife uh, approved it. And I'm going to buy season tickets to DTE in my hometown. It's like five minutes away. Like second or third row. I haven't decided yet. Right? So it's 15 grand. And I thought about all the times I wanted to go see those shows, and I went to the meeting. And now I have tickets to every show. <laughs> VIP parking. My name be on the seat. Ian Pruckner. They know whose seat that is. They, they put my name on it, right? Because I was willing to put off what I wanted now for what I wanted most. Your life is going to pass on you either way. One day you're going to get there to the point where you would have had this built either way. Whether you build this or not, that time will come, and you'll look back and you'll have nothing, or you'll have nothing but, regret, nothing but regrets or, or no regrets, right? It's one of those two things going to happen. We're so short-sighted sometimes. Like, ah, three years of my life? That's a long time. It's going to happen either way. It's going to happen either way. The question is, what are you going to have at the end of it? Right? 
allowing average people to influence you. Again, this is, this is more pervasive than you might believe it to be. It just is. You know, you start hanging around with average people in the office and you, you start believing. I, I'm always challenging my people, what are you going to do this month? And they did 20 by 20 last month. I'm going to do 22 by 22. I know you're hanging around average people because you believe in average growth. You, you should do 40 by 40. You got 20 more people than you had last month. What did you do with them? Did you kill them all? Did you send them? What, what happened to them that you only think you would do two more with all those extra people? Well, that's average thinking. It comes from hanging around average people who talked about how hard, man, I've been working so hard. I did 7K last month. Right? Okay, that's where it comes from. Next, self-sabotage. This is a big one. I talked on it very much at the beginning of the meeting. We all have places in our life that we hold limiting beliefs, that we hold doubt, and we carry that through, and when everything starts to go right, and you get that great person, that right person, all of a sudden, the demon <laughs> sabotage inside of you just comes out like, Wah! and you start yelling at your guy or whatever, you miss the meeting, you know, something happens that over and over again, you just get to this place, and you know, you've met these people, right? It's like, they get something going, then they get sick. Well, that's not their fault, but they get something going, then their car breaks. They get something going, and their house floods. They get something going, and this happens. Their dog dies. This, this is like this nonstop thing. And it looks like it's outside of their control, but it's really not. It's, it's that self-sabotage mechanism that says, this is how high I'm, I'm supposed to go. And now my subconscious starts working against me to keep me there. Right? So you've got to find out where that is and stop Find out where it is and start challenging it. Start replacing those beliefs with beliefs that better serve you and where you're going to go. Putting off personal development. That's so easy to do, but it's going to cost you big time. Because if you're a 7, you can't lead a 10. Right? And to win in this business, you need to have a great environment or you need to be a 9 or a 10 to get some people that are 8s and 9s in. Okay? I mean, that's really, if you want to win for sure, that's how you do it. Otherwise, you get lucky, okay? So you've got, to, you've got to develop yourself. You can't keep people that are ahead of you on their self-development process. So I'm an avid reader. I'm an avid listener. I have, a, I have a game plan for it. I have books in my backpack. I have audios lined up. I got a few minutes. That's what I'm listening to. That's what I'm reading. And inch by inch, it's a cinch, Right? A little bit here, five minutes there, five minutes there, five minutes here, five minutes there. Wasted time for most people, but I'm going to turn it into growing and getting better, right? Because the better I get with people, the better quality people I can keep. The better I get with people, the faster I can put out fires that would have destroyed a team before they even start coming up, right? And that's how you keep, the bigger you get, the more people problems you have. At end of story, if you don't know how to do that, it's going to implode on itself. You're going to let things run wild. Where's Coop at? He's hiding somewhere over there. Coop will tell you, I'm, I'm a maniac when things start going crazy. Like, I'm just like, okay, where is this problem? And I'm going to squash it down real fast, right? But I didn't used to be able to do that. I'd be like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. They did five grand. Now I'm like, here, here's a transfer. What do you mean here's a transfer? Here's a transfer. Get out of here. Right? I sent a couple people out, big people, two months ago. I'm like, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. I don't even want networks. Here's the signed paperwork. 
So whoever will keep you, God bless them. Right? We don't, we don't deal with that in our business. But I need them. You can't need them if, if you can't lead them if you need them, right? Okay? And you need them because you're not getting wide and you don't have multiplication going. Right? You get that? And it's not like an iron fist or anything. It's for the, all right, I don't need Amy's new person coming in. It's going to be a stud dealing with this guy's bull crap. Right? That's my job as a leader is to protect that environment. Right? So if you want to play in the sandbox, nice, that's fine. Just go find a different sandbox. Well, I'm doing all this. Good. Go do it over there. What do you mean? Don't you think I'm going to be? You might be, but I'm willing to take that chance. Right? Go ahead and go to the next. Uh, oh, no, back. Being a me player versus a team player. This surfaces in so many ways. The first way that it comes, you've got to watch out for this. When you've got that guy who's like, who's orchestrating the numbers. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, all right, I'm three sales short from regional this month. I've got this sale sitting here in save and submit. It's the end of the month. I'm just going to forget to push submit. Because if it goes in now, I don't get anything. But next month, it'll be lined up. You know these people. You have them in your business. They're very calculated. you got to watch out for those guys. Because they will run over anybody in their path to get what they're trying to get. Because they're a me player. What's in it for me? You know what that really is? Is a scarcity mindset. There's only so many sales I'm going to make, so I better make each one count. That's really what that says, right? Versus there's an abundance of these sales out here and recruits. I'm just going to get as much as I can. I'm going to figure out how to do more next month. Right? Okay. So the me player is the guy that starts talking about how great they are and how the system doesn't work quite right. And they've got the real spin on it. And they're a division leader and they made 1200 bucks last month, you know, but that's our system can be get that right. Because you find these new people and they begin to make heroes out of them. They see them on the leaders board. They begin to think that they're great. Bill is telling me in the car. He said, we begin to believe our own press. Like, we, we built it. We're great. We didn't build anything. The system built for us. We just put people in, and it was the system. But a lot of newer people don't get that. You understand? So how you treat your uplines, how you're going to be treated at some point. Right? So I try to teach my people, go out of their way. And I try to model that as an example. When Assad is next to that next diamond, he ain't calling me saying, hey, push us over. I'm watching those boards. I'm saying, all right, this dude's close enough. And I call out a play. I say, all right, hey, let's go give this dude some air support. And we track it. We watch it. Right? And we fight for him. Why? Because he fought for us for 15 years before I even joined. Right? He fought for us 15 years before I even joined. That's the least I can do is pull some people together and say, hey, Let's go into overdrive mode for this dude. Oh, he's just making money off it. <laughs> Wait a second, right? That's good. The more he makes off of you, the more you made, dum-dum. <laughs> you must not understand this yet. Let me explain it to you again, <laughs> right? Let me explain it to you again. And I, you know, I try to model that. He and I don't see eye to eye on everything, but I'm always going to be respectful I'm always going to be respectful. I'm always going to put him in front of my people. I'm all, right? Because he, he deserves that. Right? And some of us, truth be told, right, in back corner conversations, you're not giving that respect to your RVP. You're not giving that. Hey, listen. The, 
they might have not done something in a long time, but I, at some point they did something to get to where they got. Right? And you should respect that because your people could be saying the same bull crap about you, but worse when it's your turn. And I don't want that. I want, I want my people to fight for me. And I want them to see me fight for somebody else. And that's how I model it. Right? you got to do it first. got to model it. And, um, you know, that's about being a team player. It's about making that push. And then small thinking. I spent many years thinking small, thinking that this was as big as I was naturally going to get, and I just have this natural growth, you know, 20%, 30% year over year, you know, and eventually we'll get there, right? But why not just grow two or 300% a year? They're both possible. We saw that. They're both possible. So why not wrap our heads and our hearts around doing it big and doing it fast and having people have massive success? I believe the people that come to work with me are supposed to win. I tell them that all the time. You are born to do this. This is your destiny to build something incredible here. It might not be your last stop in what your purpose is in life, but you're here and you're going to do something big. And maybe that funds your dream. Maybe it is your dream. But either way, it's a part of it, right? And this is, right, you, you can't talk to people like that unless you believe it, right? I love Emmanuel. He sends me these funny, uh, funny memes. He sends me this one of Pinocchio with this big, long nose, and it's a motivational speaker, and the meme says, uh, I see potential in every person in this room. <laughs> right? I, see, I see potential in all of you in the memes. <laughs> yeah. But you got to believe it. you got to believe it if you're ever going to sell it. And I do believe it. I believe Manuel Earls will make a million dollars a year here. I believe he's going to have a fantastic family life. I believe in the next 10 years he'll be completely done. And I don't know what Emmanuel will do. Maybe he'll be a statesman of Primerica like Bill Renner. And he'll find purpose in giving back to people who, whose hopes and dreams have been caged up. Maybe he'll travel the world as a missionary. Maybe... I don't know what he'll do, but I know that he is going to do that, right? And I've got that belief, and I try to communicate that to them, okay? And it starts by thinking big for ourselves. We're dooming our people to think small. Yep. If we think small for ourselves, what is the best we could think about them? That's right. Does that make sense? Yep. Go ahead and go to the next slide. It's all about having total freedom. And we don't have total freedom yet, but... We traveled for four months last year. Four months. You know, I, um, when my kids were very, very small, I was gone a lot. But now I spend every day that I choose to spend with them. It was crazy. When we got home, you know, we made the decision to run to a million after leaving the senior leadership meeting. I said, what an inconvenient time. I'm on vacation for nine weeks. I just got here last week, right? But I knew they were good enough to start that process. But I told Jess, when I come home, I'm going to go to work till that's done. And you're not going to see me till that's done. And uh, my kids are so used to the week I got back, I went back to work, right? And they're like going through withdrawals. They're like, where's dad? Right? Like, it's like everybody's dad is home all day, every day, and takes them to Disney World for two and a half months straight. You know, it's like this bizarre warped reality of it, you know? Um, but, but it's really, it's so good. It's so good to be, to be free, to really be free to do what we want. I'm not even thinking about slowing down, but we could if we wanted to. 
and financial independence. You know, Bill uh, was talking to me like he so often does about saving money. I was telling Bill, I'm saving 50000 a month right now. now you, if you want to have some fun, go on to Money Chimp, put a million dollars to start, 50000 a month for 40 years, and see how much money I'm going to have. That'll be fun, right? Okay? And that excites me, and I know I can do more. I don't want to be 62 with 100 million. I want to be 48 with 100 million. Right? Okay? And so I'm thinking bigger. I'm thinking bigger. I'm pushing myself to do that. Is money everything? No, but that's enough to change like probably three or four generations. As far as my trust will allow me to change, right? Um, we'll get that done. So total financial independence, winning big. Go ahead and go to the next slide. This is um, something I stole off somebody's Facebook post. Um, I don't even know who they are. But uh, I thought it was awesome. Because at the end, of when all the dust settles, you'll be glad that you did what you did. You'll never regret working your hardest for the things you care about most in your life. It might not be fun all the time. But I think at the end, you'll get there, and you'll have one of these moments. To the ones who doubted me, thank you. To the ones who told me to get a real job, thank you. To the ones who used and abused everything I was willing to give, thank you. To the ones who gave up and walked out, causing me to doubt if I could ever be anything or go anywhere without them, thank you. To the ones who laughed and mocked and spent more time making fun of the ones working towards their dreams than uplifting and encouraging, thank you. To the ones who pushed me towards other paths because you didn't understand the one God was leading me down, thank you. And one day, you'll be able to say that. Or one day, they'll say about you, I told you so. I told you it wasn't going to work. I told you it was just a phase. One of these two scenarios is going to happen. It was definitely not going to be the second one. I wanted to be able to look back and say, look at what we did in spite of the resistance, right? As you look at sports players, it's so interesting. A lot of them don't do very well here. They've got all the talent in the world, but they're, they're not used to anybody telling them no. They're told everywhere they go, yes, 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 right? And it's, it's one thing to be uh, winning when everybody's cheering you on and clapping you on and you can do it. There's a stadium full of people cheering for you. It's another thing to win against all odds in spite of everybody thinking you're crazy. That's really winning, right? Go ahead and go to the next slide. This is a song that, um, that I just came out that I was listening to, and uh, the words are, set me ablaze, set me ablaze till it's all that I know. Set me ablaze, set me ablaze, and I'll never grow cold. And that's my prayer. I want to be, be on fire about what we do. I don't ever want to get bored doing what we do here. Right, And it is saying the same old thing to new people. But the same old thing is the right thing. And it's a true thing. And it's something that we can be passionate about and find a purpose in and do something that we can feel great about what we've done and how we've spent our life. And uh, go ahead and go to the next slide. You know, John Wesley said this, Light yourself on fire with passion and people will come for miles to watch you burn. It's time that we get passionate about our crusade. It's time to get passionate about ownership and overrides and the freedom machine that Primerica is in our lives and the thousands and thousands of people's lives 
who have understood it for what it was and put it to work for what it was, not trying to morph it into something different. We've got health insurance. Who cares? <laughs> we have overrides. What are you talking about? We have, are you going to come to this seminar we're talking about this? No, I will not. I will not be there. Why? Because I got overrides on my mind. I can't override you. You're already in. What am I doing there? We've got to light ourselves on fire with passion about ownership, overrides, the multiples, replacement, and total freedom. It's so worth it. I promise you. So that's all I got here if you want to answer some questions. Thank you very much, Ian. Uh, one thing I want you to talk about, uh, the only question I'll answer because we've got to go, you mentioned the word environment, and I think a lot of people in this room think environment is music, high-fiving, uh, just talking loud. What is environment to you? Um, well, I mean, it's a number of things. I, I think, um, I don't know, the, the best way to explain it is just like a unity of their mindset. Like, we teach our people how to create environment. We teach our people uh, talk all the good, or talk about people behind their back all the good you know of them, right? When people come in, find out who their upline is. Figure out a couple things you like about Don in the office. And when you find one of Don's new people walking around looking like a lost puppy, say, hey, who's your upline? Don Johnson. Man, Don's incredible. He wears the tightest sweaters in the whole office, okay? Look at this guy. Okay. Whatever it is, right? Yeah, but, it, but it's just, it's, it's an environment of pushing people up. It's an environment of pushing people up and an environment of winning. That's the other half of it, right? And, and Omar was talking about it yesterday on the big hitters call. I don't know if it's Omar or Larry. But putting up the leader sheets in the office. We got them suckers up, highlighted everywhere, and we take people over them. These are the leader sheets. When you come into the office, these are the leader sheets. Look at all these people winning. You see this person right here? That's Amy. Let me introduce you to her. And we put them in an environment of winners and big thinkers, right? But we did a lot to create our environment. We used to sit around, remember Coop, when there was five full-timers, and I would have them close their eyes. I would, I would get them to put in, in their mind a vision of having that office packed to the brim and, and, like, what it sounded like, what it looked like, what it felt like. And that's what they created. You know, so it, it's, it's an energy. It's an excitement. It's a level of belief from everybody in there. It's a competitive spirit. I, I don't know. It's this hodgepodge of all these things that makes it electric. I mean, people come into our office, and they say, I don't know what this is, but there's a whole lot of really happy-looking people here. I don't know what, right? So, I mean, seriously, that's, and, that's, and that allows us to put people in, and they'll keep coming back, and they'll learn the mindset, the skill set from these people, and eventually they'll... They'll win. It is, it is part of freedom. I could leave that office, and they would run that just like it is now and grow it. I don't know if that answered your that question is. or not. Well, thank you very much, Ian. You give a seat for one second. Thank you. You know, Ian came down here to visit with me for a day or two. I'm thinking, after that, I'm not sure what i got to say to him. I mean, it's perfection, right? You don't make $700,000 a year and not know what you're doing in our system. 
And uh, so anyway, congratulations. That was absolutely marvelous. We're going to have it on our, our, uh, our SoundCloud. I'm going to download it, so it's all going to be on the SoundCloud, so you can listen to it all the time. And I want to thank John Waterstreet. He's uh, all those folks that are uh, jacket winners. Why don't you stand up, please? Or these are the, uh, in Texas, they have something called having a big hat and no cattle. You know what it means? I got a big hat, but don't you have any cattle? These people have cattle. A lot of other people in this room have big hats. Like, you know, you know, but these folks are doing it. So we're all going out to lunch with Ian and his team. And John Water Street is kind enough to uh, fund that. So thank you very much, John. You want to say a word about thank you? And you should know where that is, right? So right after the meeting, go on over there. Yvonne's over there, and uh, John will pick up the tab. Thank you, John. I'd like to promote the uh, April 16th meeting. Yep. we got uh, April 15th and 16th, the Texas Convention. We're up over 2,800 tickets. It's going to be unbelievable. Matter of fact, as, as we were talking, listening to Ian, by the way, unbelievable. Yeah. I still remember when Assad Farage came back, when he recruited him on a mission trip, and said, I got this guy, we've probably heard this before, who's going to be so big. And man, it was like yesterday. It was like yesterday. And he is so, he was so good today, man. He is unbelievable. But, uh, uh, but I'm really excited, especially on that Friday. We kind of started it off as some kind of product thing in the afternoon and working our way up. We, that, the, we told the product guys, hey, thank we God. love you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, get you. Le- you get less time to speak, and I need more money. That was basically what I told them. <laughs> I told them they could flip the bird at the phone as they're listening to this message. It was okay. But we are going to talk about building all Friday afternoon. Friday night is going to be huge. It's going to be a recruiting boot camp on Friday night. The lineup is going to be Carlos Gonzalez, it's going to be Charles Whitener, it's going to be Bill Render, it's going to be Mike Tuttle, and it's going to be Glenn and Zamora Lee. You need to get every moving soul there on Friday night. Now, Saturday is going to be off the charts, so much cool recognition that you've never seen in your life. But I'm telling you, we're going to work our way through that agenda Friday afternoon, Friday night, Saturday. It's going to be huge. And don't forget, 10 by 10 in March... You're invited to the reception between the afternoon and the evening session on that Friday between 5 and 7. So that's all I got. Thank, Thank you, Bill. John. Thank you. you. All right. Greg, would you close us in a word of prayer, please? Sure. Father, thanks for today. Thanks for uh, Ian just pouring out his heart. Thanks for his friendship and his team that's here. Continue to bless them. Uh, and bless everybody else that's here in this room, Father. Uh, we love you. Uh, We ask you to go with us, Uh, continue to bless our families, protect us, and uh, put us in front of the right people. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Happy Easter, everybody. Ian, that was a church, brother.